Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Excited to have Jason McDougall with us today on the Titanium Vault. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing good, my friend. How are you doing? Man, just another day in paradise. So right. why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and kind of talk a little bit about who you are and what you do in real estate investing. Cool. So I'm Jason McDougall. My company name is Next Era Home Buyers. We flip houses and wholesale houses here in the DFW Metroplex. Um, kind of got started in 2009 by putting out bandit signs and um, quickly got fined for doing that. So I completely stopped doing anything with real estate until about 2015. I would still attend like meetups and stuff, but I really got scared away from um, wholesaling. Um, but I had some issues with my job, and I really didn't like it. So I thought, man, I've got to figure out a way to make this work. And I kind of jumped in and went all in and just uh, just made it work. So um, quit my job in January of 2016 to go full time. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the time, and I was like, you know, this is just the the thing we got to do. Now is the time. And um, no looking back, she quit her job too. So we're all in, man. That's so funny. I uh, I also started my business right before my son was born. I, I hear more stories of people having a, a child being born, and that is what spurs them to start their entrepreneur journey. So uh, we're similar in that aspect. Talk to me a little bit about, I know you're a, a realtor. Talk to me about how being a realtor and also being an investor and a wholesaler how those two intertwine and how that's either been a positive or a negative for your business. Yeah, so we were doing a lot of marketing to get deals coming in for wholesale stuff. And then I would get all these leads for people that want to, you know, retail for their properties. And they had nice houses and it just didn't make sense for a wholesale or a subject to or anything like that. So I thought, you know, if I'm missing out on some leads here, I'm going to get my real estate license and um, see if I can convert some of these to listings. So that was my intention. I got my license, I converted a couple of those to listings, and I quickly realized I really did not like the retail side of the business at all. But I did like having the access to the MLS, being able to run my own comps, um, listing our own flips, you know, just all that kind of stuff is invaluable. I mean, I know you can build a relationship with a realtor and maybe get access to their MLS too, but I don't see a downside to getting your license. Um, you do have to disclose everything to anybody you're working with, any buyers or any sellers, but I think if you're doing your business properly, that there should be no issue with you disclosing everything in the, in the first place and being just completely transparent with people with what you're doing. So I haven't seen it um, negatively impact me. In fact, some people say that they've called me just because I am a realtor and they know that I have to act accordingly and I'm held to a kind of a higher standard. I can't you know, take advantage of people um, being a realtor. So it's really not hurt me at all. In fact, I think it's benefited me. That's awesome. So you, you talk about these leads that you have coming in, and, and you shared your story about how bandit signs were previously a negative experience for you. What kind of marketing are you doing now to generate these leads? Man, I would like to say I don't do bandit signs anymore, but I have recently started doing them again because um, they work, you know. So we do bandit signs. We do a lot of direct mail. We do some SEO stuff. Um, a lot of networking, I get a lot of referrals, so and um, some joint ventures from other wholesalers. 
so kind of everything um, out there. We haven't done pay-per-click yet. That's coming in the future. Gotcha. So talk to me a little bit about joint ventures and, and wholesaling. I think this is something that a lot of newer wholesalers should really try to strive to achieve uh, relationships with more experienced wholesalers. Uh, what what has your experience been like that? Have you been on the acquisition side of things, or are you bringing the buyer? Um, the buyer side of it. So um, I focused on really trying to build a strong buyers list and going to all these networking events, meeting people, and um, just getting on Facebook and finding new buyers for, for deals all the time. So I built up a pretty good buyers list, and I get a lot of emails from wholesalers that I can tell are maybe kind of new in the business. And when I see the emails coming out repeatedly. I reach out to them and saying, hey, man, you know, if you can't move that deal, let me know and I can help you move that before you just lose out on the deal completely. So that's worked pretty successfully with people, you know, reaching out to me and saying, hey, um, I heard you can help me sell this deal. Want to give me a, uh, give me some help? So I do that. Um, we've done probably five or six deals that way this year just by JV. So since we're both wholesalers, I think we should dive into this topic a little bit more. Um, when you JV on a wholesale deal and you reach out and you see that newer investor who you know you might think is struggling to sell it and you have a buyer for them, do you sign a joint venture agreement or marketing agreement before you reach out to your buyer? Or how do you handle that situation for the newer wholesalers that might not understand how to structure a joint venture? Yeah, so in order for me to legally market a deal in Texas, I've got to have equitable interest in that property. So before I market anything, I've either got a contract with the seller or I've got a joint venture contract with the other person that has a contract with the seller assigning me interest to market that property. So yeah, nothing goes out unless I've got some sort of contract um, giving me the ability to market that. And I think this is very important for newer wholesalers to understand because the flip side of just legally speaking that it you're not allowed to market out a property that you don't have the equitable interest in you're also really hindering the property's ability to be sold if you have multiple wholesalers um, what we consider daisy chaining on it and sending it out without already having an agreement in place with the original wholesaler have you ever reached out to a newer wholesaler and tried to arrange a joint venture and them not want to give you the equitable interest or sign a marketing agreement? Yeah, some people have just said, you know, just um, send it out to your buyers and mark it up a little bit. I don't want to sign anything. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, that's not good for me, and it's also not good for them. So, yeah, I just avoid those completely. If, if that's the only way they want to roll with it, then um, I'm out. Uh, just move right. on to and and ultimately, as investors and as wholesalers, what are we? We're problem solvers, and we're problem solvers for the motivated seller or the distressed seller. And I think as uh, our duties, you know, as a realtor, you have a fiduciary duty to your clients. But also, I think as investors, we have a duty to the sellers who are trusting us and putting their property under contract with us that we're going to do the right thing and we're going to be able to move their property. Uh, so it, to any newer wholesalers that are out there, 
Uh, I completely agree with what Jason is talking about and how he's handled his joint venture agreements with other wholesalers. Uh, that is the appropriate way to to handle that situation. So you're doing everything the right way with agreements in place so you have that equitable interest. All right. So let's talk a little bit. I've, I, I follow you on Facebook. You know, we're friends. We, we've gone to a couple lunches together. Talk to me a little bit. I've seen recently you've got some rental properties that you're rehabbing and, and I think even a couple of flips. Is that correct? Yes, sir. We've got two flips going and uh, two rentals. Actually, one rental. We just finished one, so we're down to one project for the rental side. Awesome. Did you already uh, find a tenant for that rental property? Uh, hopefully. Meeting them tonight at 7 p.m. Hopefully get that thing leased up. <laughs> Good luck for for that. Thank you, so, sir. So walk me through how you've gone from having a child, quitting your job, started wholesaling. Now how are you breaking into the rental the buy and hold game and the flip game. How did that evolve? So when I did quit my job, I quit it on, I think, January 19th. And I had a lead for like six months on this lady that said she was going to sell her house to me. And I didn't know how I was going to buy this house. Well, January 21st, she called me and she said, I'm ready. And I was like, man, this is a good flip opportunity. It was like 10 minutes from my house. Um, I called a family friend and I said, hey, do you have um, some money that's just sitting in your bank account that you wouldn't mind loaning me to buy this house and flip it. And amazingly, he said yes. So he funded 100% of the purchase, 100% of the rehab, and I was able to flip that property. Um, we did some, we did three flips in 2016. Um, we're on track to do five this year already. Um, so it's kind of ramped up. But I always wanted to get into the buy and hold game. You know, wholesaling is a job and it takes a lot of work. Um, takes a lot of time, and then flipping is the same way. So I really wanted that passive income, and the only way to really do that was to create um, rental income for me and get some assets. So that's always been my goal. And something popped up, and I reached out to that same family friend, and I said, "Hey, would you mind? Um, would, do you want to loan me on this property for the rehab and purchase?" And he said yes again. So he uh, took care of me on that one, and then the second one popped up, and I went to my local bank that I built a relationship with over the past couple of years. And I said, would you guys be interested in loaning me uh, um, some money to purchase this house for a rental property? And they said, yeah. So that allowed me to buy the second one to hang on to it as well. That's fantastic. So let's, let's talk about that private money situation that you have there because I think this is a topic that everybody who is in the business for a short amount of time realizes that this is something they have to establish within their business. I have to be able to go find private money. So without giving us too much detail or going into private details, can you talk to us about how you kind of structured those deals and made that deal beneficial for your private money investor? Because it's different than going and getting a hard money loan. If you go to a hard money lender, they tell you, I need 3% origination and 12% interest. Yep. But when you go to a private money lender like a family friend, it's on your shoulders to structure the deal. So... Walk me through how you did that and how you were able to get your, your private money lender to give you those funds. Yeah, so I'm pretty fortunate that he had just retired from a, a job at Boeing um, a few years ago, and he had just money sitting in his account gaining like 1% interest. Um, and sometimes he had some money in a CD getting 2% interest or whatever. And when he knew I was getting into this flipping stuff, he, um, he was happy because I offered him 6% interest, and he was happy to take that. So... 
It's 6% interest. He funds 100% of the purchase, 100% of the rehab. There's no points, um, and it's interest-only payments until the deal closes. So um, I've used that exclusively on all the deals we've done for flips, except for that one rental we just talked about. Um, and it's been great. I really liked it. I want to try to find some more um, private money partners that are willing to do the same. Maybe not 6%. I know that's that's great, but right. um, similar. Right, and and the the buying power that that interest rate gives you, um, you can go in and you can beat other investors because you know you're not going to be paying that 12% interest. You're only going to be paying 6 So right. I'm assuming that gives you a little bit more confidence when you're walking a property. Um, was it the same arrangement on the buy and hold? Or are you paying interest only 6% until you refinance? No, the buy and hold, it's a, it's a 5% and it's P&I. But it, um, I, the agreement was that I'm going to refi him out of that thing within the next two years into a conventional loan of some sort. So it's, it's a 30-year amortization with a five-year balloon. But my plan is um, I don't have two years of self-employment tax returns yet. So once I do get those right. in 2018, I'll be able to refi out of that loan. It's awesome, man. Uh, that's, a, that's a hell of an arrangement you have there with that lender. Uh, so you should be definitely proud of yourself for, for making that arrangement and, and utilizing – that's, that's a win-win situation, right? And I, I use the term, we're problem solvers. Um, that's, that's solving someone else's problem. You know, he retired, had money sitting in an account, wasn't gaining any, any sort of interest, and, and you're able to make him more money, and it solved the problem for, for you and your business. So that's, that's awesome. I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, he actually, uh, he threatened me. He said, I didn't have any properties to flip a few months ago, and he threatened me saying if I didn't use his money, he was going to go invest in the stock market. So that really kind of lit a fire for me to go find something to get his money working. <laughs> That's awesome. So talk to me a little bit about how often have you gone out, ran a lead that you generated on the investment side of things, and maybe that lead just wasn't strong enough for you to invest in, but you were able to also help them because you're a realtor. How often does that happen? It doesn't happen very much because I think that you kind of get the things that you attract. Um, And like I said, man, I I don't enjoy the realtor side of the business. I've done four retail deals and every one of them has been very difficult compared to wholesaling and flipping. So um, I throw that option out there sometimes, but if it's really like not in my backyard, I don't really mess with it, to be honest with you. Understood. So another thing I want to talk to you about, because I think this is very difficult for newer wholesalers getting into the business. They go out, they get a property under contract, and then they don't have a buyer. How Hmm. are you building your buyers list? Um, So whenever I see someone posting on Facebook, they're trying to build their buyers list. I'll just like get a notification that someone's posted in one of these real estate groups and I'll go take a screenshot of all these email addresses that people are posting. Um, and then when I have properties for sale, I'll put them on Facebook, but I won't leave the address. I'll tell them if you want the address, more pictures, give me your email address. Um, and same thing when I put stuff on Craigslist to market properties, I don't put the address and I say, if you want the address, give me your email address. So I kind of build it that way to force them to give me their email address and like I said, just like everybody, every business card I get, anybody I meet, they're going on my buyer's list, no matter if they're a buyer or not, because you don't know who they know, and um, you don't know if they might be a buyer later on in the future. Absolutely. Another thing that I think you do very well, because I am on your buyer's list, 
is your email marketing campaigns that you send out. The fact that you use a professional service, you have a, a templated branding on your your email blast. They always look the same. When when I see your emails, I know exactly who it is, not because I see the email or the name on it just because of the colors and the way it looks. We strive to do the same thing with Titanium Investments. Was that something that a mentor told you to do or was that just something on your own that you guys went out and did? Because I think this is something that you know, some wholesalers do struggle with. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just something that we created. I come from the corporate world and my wife was in marketing in the corporate world as well. And we wanted to build a business, you know, and I wanted to look professional and legitimate, and I want people to not only think, but also know that um, I know what I'm doing. So I think you have to present yourself that way in order to, for people to take you seriously. Um, so just having that professional image and a clean look all the time was important to me in all, all aspects with all of our marketing. Well, I completely agree. I think you and I see eye to eye on that. Um, whenever we started Titanium Investments, we wanted to make sure that we had a very clean look and it was always something that when people saw our our marketing that they could trust us and understand that they weren't dealing with an individual but they were dealing with a company. Right. So one thing that I always like to ask everybody is what is your why? Why did you choose real estate investing and and what is it that every day since you are an entrepreneur what makes you get up what makes you work more hours than everybody else? Because you get to choose how many hours you get to work. What's your why? Yeah, so in 2009, it was because I wanted money, you know, and I knew that there was money to be made in the real estate game. Unfortunately for me, I, I didn't have the right mindset back then to stick it out when times got a little difficult. So for me, really, when stuff kind of went south at my job and I really didn't like what I was doing anymore, um, it was about building um, generational wealth for my family and leaving a legacy for my family. When I found out that we were pregnant, I was like, man, I, I've got a, a child coming, and I don't want my child to have to go through the same stuff I did to get ahead in life and having to go work a nine-to-five and just be miserable doing it like I was. So um, I made up my mind that this is what I was going to do, and no matter what it took, no matter what I had to do, I was going to make it work. So this is really for my family. My wife gets to stay at home and help me with the business and also watch our son. So my, my son's not in daycare, and I've got the freedom to go do whatever I want whenever I want to, which is amazing, and it's, it's truly a blessing for sure. Absolutely, and, and I'm a huge advocate of mindset. You brought up in 2009 you didn't have the right mindset that you have now. Um, for me, when I got into investing – one of the most powerful words that I was ever taught by a mentor was every day you wake up and you have the choice to either think that you're wealthy or you have the choice to think that you're poor. And that resonated with me. And ever since that day, I've woken up and said, I'm going to be wealthy and I'm going to do everything that I can not for the money, but just like you said, to leave the legacy, to have that generational wealth for my family, and to leave something behind. And so I very much appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think for anybody out there who's listening, who's wanting to get into real estate investing, find your why 
and find what's going to motivate you to make this work. Just like you said, you had the wrong mindset in 2009 and it didn't work. But now that you've changed that mindset, now you're, you're seeing success and now you're starting to build towards passive income. You're starting to build past just wholesaling, but also rehabbing properties, which is amazing. So congratulations to you. And, and I, I would have to attribute that to, to your mindset change. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's, I used to think that there was nothing to that. Um, I read Think and Grow Rich and I kind of bought into it at that point. And then I started doing the positive affirmations and just like focusing on my goals every day. And man, it's made a world of difference for sure. So I, you bring up goals. Talk to me a little bit about when you make goals. How often do you make goals? Here at Titanium Investments, we make goals every January, just like everybody else. I make all of my employees do it. I do it for company-wide. But we just recently, in the past month, I reached out to every employee and I said, okay, we've gone through seven months of the year. This is a random time to do it. But let's talk about what your goal is to finish 2017. Because it is one of those things. Goals is such a a common topic in December and January because of the change of the year. But how often do you sit down and analyze goals for your business and and what you want to do for the immediate future? I mean, I break it down. So I, I definitely do the January where it's like a fresh start, fresh year. There's something you know in in your head about that. Um, but I also do them monthly and weekly. So I kind of break down the yearly goals to monthly goals stuff that's going to help me get there. And then the monthly goals break down to weekly goals of little things I need to do to achieve those. And then I'm constantly adjusting those things too. So my goal was to get four wholesale deals a month. And this month we've gotten five. And I'm like, well, maybe I need to readjust my goals. Maybe they're too low. So um, I'm constantly kind of tweaking things a little bit as the business kind of progresses. That's awesome. So my last question I want to ask you, Jason, is, to anybody that's newer getting into real estate investing, no matter if it's wholesaling, rehabbing, buying holds, what's the one bit of advice that you would give to someone newer getting into this business? I would say persistence is the absolute key. You cannot give up. There were several times where, man, it was really frustrating that the deals weren't coming in or, or things just weren't working out the way that I thought they should. And, um, there was an opportunity to give up, you know, and I was like, man, maybe I have to go back and get a job and, and beg for my job back. But then I refused to accept that that was um, a way out. I, I just knew I had to make this work no matter what. So persistence and just sticking to it. And when things are tough, that's when you got to dig your heels in deeper and work harder is what I feel. And just having faith that everything's going to work out and come together the way it should. And um, that's been the key for me. Well, I second everything that you just said. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me, share your story, share information about your business and details on how your business functions. To anyone out there that wants to reach out to you or talk to you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Yeah, you can call me on my cell phone, 682-207-8425. My email is jason at nextarahomebuyers.com and my website is nextarahomebuyers.com. So any of those ways or Facebook, Happy to help anybody and talk to anybody. All right, Jason. Thank you for taking the time today, and we'll see you down the road. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.